Team Factor Fast is literally a, a community of practice that utilizes digital and in-person spaces to build community accountability and support for women of color. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by, you guessed it, Side Hustle Pro Live. Side Hustle Pro Live, which goes down on October 9th, 2019 in Washington, D.C. at the Arc Theater, will be an exciting night of the Side Hustle Pro podcast come to life. Tickets are available at sidehustlepro.co slash live. This is the event that is going to help you finish 2019 strong. You'll get ideas for how to grow your side hustle, market your business, finally monetize your side hustle, and best of all, meet other side hustlers who may be able to collaborate with you or you guys will support each other down the line. Plus, you'll have a shopping experience with side hustlers and Black women-owned businesses. Our special guest that night will be personal branding expert Maya Elias. Let me tell you something about Maya. This is a Black woman entrepreneur who has bootstrapped her business to almost half a million in revenue. This is the woman who taught me how to brand myself, how to relaunch my blog. And that blog would then become the precursor to Side Hustle Pro. And she's helped me continue to scale my business from there. You're going to be learning from the best. And you also have the opportunity to ask us questions. So These are the kind of events I went to when I started Side Hustle Pro. When people ask me about networking, how do you forge connections? I formed a lot of relationships with people that I still speak to by going to events like this. As you heard in a recent episode with Sonia Lewis, the student loan doctor, we actually met at a conference in D.C. for Black women entrepreneurs. We were both side hustlers determined to scale our side hustles into full-time businesses. We met and we chatted briefly. We didn't even chat that long, but we exchanged info. We followed each other on Instagram and have been supporting each other ever since. That is the first step in networking for me. That is the step in forging relationship. And so these are the kind of events I was determined to produce. And it's another reason why it took me so long to bring my Side Hustle Pro live vision to reality. I didn't just want it to be your average show. I want you to leave better than you came. And that's why we are cultivating the kind of unforgettable night that we are cultivating. So I truly hope to see you in the building on October 9th at the Arc Theater in Washington, D.C. Get your tickets now at sidehustlepro.co slash live. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash live. All right, guys, now let's get into today's show. So today in the guest chair, we have Dr. Takia Robinson. Dr. Kia is a multifaceted and multi-passionate side hustler, a PhD with over 10 years of professional experience as a university program administrator. She is also one half of the Getting Grown podcast and head coach of Team Typing Fast. Dr. Kia earned a BA in psychology from Manhattanville College and an MA in human development and family studies from the University of Connecticut, UConn. During her time at UConn, Dr. Kia played a critical role in the development and implementation of the campus's retention program that targeted first-year African-American students. She went on to earn an EDM in higher and post-secondary education from Teachers College, Columbia University, 
and a PhD in higher education from the University of Maryland College Park. Her career in higher education administration and higher education research has been committed to the design, implementation, and assessment of access and retention programs throughout and across the academic pipeline. I really can't wait to get into today's episode, but first, I just want to tell you why this has been one of my personal favorites. First of all, I love Dr. Kia's spirit and energy, and I also love speaking with another podcaster. I started getting to know Kia last year after I went to the Getting Grown Live podcast show in April 2018. She and co-host Jade were one of the biggest inspirations for me for doing my own live show. And as a matter of fact, I'm hosting it at the same venue that they did in D.C. So shout out to them for the inspiration and the venue awareness. But after attending their show, that's when I really started to get to know Kia and follow her. And many of my relationships start this way on Instagram these days. We support each other via messages, emails, just showing support. And then when we see each other in person in D.C., it's all love. And what I love most about her is she is so encouraging to Black women in general, but especially those pursuing their education. You know, they do their graduation shout outs, which I love on Getting Grown. And I remember being taken aback by some of the questions people were asking during the Getting Grown podcast live show, because I just remember thinking, wow, people are asking deep questions that you would theoretically go to your best friend for, but they're asking them. These women are best friends to their listeners, and that is a real treasure and a very admirable thing to see. On a personal note for me, my conversation with Kia in today's episode let me know that I wasn't crazy for feeling the way I did in college at Penn. I, for one, suffered a little trauma coming from NYC, the Bronx specifically, and going to a predominantly white institution for college. I was completely out of my comfort zone in ways I didn't even expect, and I didn't know how to reconcile those feelings, especially because I attended an Ivy League college and I was supposed to be grateful to be there, and my parents were sacrificing to send me there, and I didn't want to come off ungrateful to them either. So I struggled with guilt and sadness, and if I had had someone like Dr. Kia, perhaps I would have spent fewer nights alone in my dorm room crying and fewer moments in class suppressing my questions for fear of looking dumb. So I hope that this episode will remind us that we don't have to isolate ourselves, that there are other people who are out here wanting to celebrate and support you. You don't have to feel alone. And I hope this side hustler's journey can encourage yours. Now let's get right into it. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Dr. Takia Robinson. Welcome to the guest chair, Dr. Kia. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Yes. So first things first, of course, I'm interested in learning more about this road to academia. I just listed all of your education, but I'm curious to know what inspired you to major in psychology in college and then go after the master's, the EDM, and eventually the PhD. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not, I have to be honest and say that it's not anything that I ever, you know, was thoughtful or intentional about doing. I think the path chose me. Um, I was... uh, a very eager, very curious, super sheltered uh, college student. And my undergraduate years, you know, I didn't really go far from home, but I went to Manhattanville College and was a small liberal arts school in um, Westchester County. And I really had an awesome experience there and looked up literally um, in October of my senior year 
my thesis advisor at the time was like, what are you going to do? And I realized that I had no earthly idea. (laughs) (laughs) As as most of us don't. Right. She was like, what are you going to do after graduation? I was like, girl, I have, I don't know. Like no part of me knows. I have no idea. Not the slightest clue. (laughs) Absolutely. I started to panic and she was like, it's okay. We can figure this out. And she said, well, one thing we know that you are an excellent student and you love to learn. Um, she was like, do you feel like you're finished learning? I said, absolutely not. So she was, she encouraged me. She was like, why don't you think about, you know, graduate study? And that'll give you some time to really find, you know, figure out where you belong. So I decided to do that. The very last minute I took the GRE and uh, started applying to some master's programs. And I landed at the University of Connecticut, um, which is a very cold, very white place. <laughs> it was um, it was a, it was it changed my whole life. I, to be totally honest, uh, I went from growing up in New York and New York City and, um, you know, being in this melting pot of all cultures, all kinds of people. Um, and, and I went to a, a, a very small PWI. There was not a large population of people of color on that campus, but there was definitely a critical mass. And, but then, you know, I went to UConn, which was in the middle of nowhere, Source, Connecticut, and I was the only Black girl in my dorm, in my graduate program, at my job. And what seemed like within a 30-mile radius, that was a, a, a a culture shock for me. And it wasn't until I stumbled upon a group of Blacks literally uh, walking on campus and followed them. <laughs> I literally, I was like, oh my God, where are y'all going? I'm just where literally, I kept about, you know, 15, 20 feet behind them and was just like, wherever they're going is where I need to be because I need some color. And I stumbled into the African-American Cultural Center there at UConn um, and developed a relationship with the center's director um, and told her about my experience um, at UConn and how I really thought that I wanted to be there, but was having a hard time being uh, both Black and women in this very white and male space. So um, we got to talking and... And I eventually started to find my legs and figure it out. And I called my mom and told her to come and get me. And she was like, no, we don't, we, we're not quitting. Uh, so I was kind of I was kind of forced to figure it out. And there at UConn, I was able to work with Dr. Price, uh, the director of the of the um, cultural center in developing a program that was for people like me, people who came from um, very diverse urban cities and found themselves at this at this predominantly white institution and were fledgling. Mm. And we developed a program that was literally designed to pair, um, you know, you got a buddy, you got a mentor. When you came in, you got a peer mentor, an upperclassman to come and show you around and not just kind of give you that academic uh, counseling or or, um, encouragement, but to literally be your uh, social capital person, the person who would tell you where to get your hair done, where to get your hair cut, where to find where they find a chicken heart, where they go to church, <laughs> you know, the things yes. that we need, you know, yes. we, we need these things. I wish in order I to had survive. that in undergrad. Yes, absolutely. So that actually, I, I got to develop that program and it really became kind of like my, my love to, you know, I, I, I love college. I had an awesome time there. And that gave me the opportunity to make sure that everybody else got the most of their college experience and just kind of like, in getting into the administration of that program and, you know, the design of that program kind of really kind of pulled me into the higher education space. Um, and I became a university administrator shortly thereafter and found very quickly that uh, in order to play the game and to be at the level 
of the people making the decisions on the campus, I needed to have the credentials that they had. So mm. it was not that I, you know, oh, I need to be a doctor. I want to be fancy and call me doctor. That wasn't it. I realized that I needed to have this degree in order to do what I wanted to do. Cause you know, being there with my master's degree, people would be like, oh, that's so cute. You have a little idea. That's so precious. But they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't pay me one ounce of mine. So interesting. Um, so in order to be like a decision maker and change. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. In order to be at the tables where the decisions were made, uh, I needed to have what the people uh, who were making the decisions had in order to sit there. Um, so it was like, oh, okay, literally a very kick-ass uh, uh, white woman from the UK. Her name was Patricia. She was my supervisor, and she was the only woman in a very large civil engineering department. I worked for her there at Columbia uh, during my time there um, as an administrator. And she told me very plainly, she was like, you're an awesome, uh, you know, thoughtful uh, administrator. You've got a lot to bring to the table, but these people are not going to pay you any attention unless you have what they have. Wow. She gave it to you straight. She gave it to me straight. She was like, these these white men are are really going to continue to talk over you until you can, uh, you know, go to toe with go toe to toe with them. And the only way you're going to be able to prove that you can do that is if you have what it takes to get into the room. So. I begrudgingly, because I never, ever wanted to have four degrees. <laughs> I want to make that clear. <laughs> four to five degrees, I never said, oh, I never said I want to be in school that long. Yes. But it just, it just worked out. It just worked out that way. Um, and, and that's really what it's been about for me. The more, And I, I just, I found myself, you know, being nosy and just having lots of questions and wanting to know why things were the way they are within the U.S., uh, the broader U.S. context of higher education, colleges and universities, these places have been in existence as institutions for hundreds and hundreds of years, but still such a finite and small group of individuals get to go and get to do well there. And, and when we do well there, it's often despite all of the challenges, uh, you know, and obstacles and barriers that are in place there and not, um, you know, so I, I've, I've just always been fascinated by that, fascinated by that context and really just kind of got fell into this world. Four to five degrees sounds very expensive to me, Dr. Kia. Oh my God. Um, what were you doing to supplement your income okay. and pay for this? <laughs> so the thing is, so the thing is, uh, you know, I got some really good advice in my undergraduate years and was like, you know, uh, women of color should not pay for their degrees. So I, I said, well, where do I sign? You know, <laughs> so uh, I've been very strategic throughout my, uh, throughout my career in identifying graduate assistantships and programs. And the thing about working at higher education institutions is that you can often attend, you know, for nothing. So like you'll get, uh, you know, I've, I've had all manner of tuition exemption and tuition waivers. And I do have a healthy amount of student loan debt. You know, we're working through that. Um, it, it is, it has gotten pricey, but I, I see it as an investment in myself. Yes. It is something that, uh, you know, won't nobody ever, ever be able to take away from me all that I have been able to learn and do through my um, education. And I feel like it's only the beginning. And I'm literally, uh, in September, it'll be three years since I've defended my dissertation and became Dr. Kia officially. Woo-hoo. And I can say, I can say honestly, thanks, thanks be to God, that I already see a return on that investment. So I'm confident that as things continue to progress in my life, that, you know, that's not that money that we spent to get the degree is going to be but a drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's things are already getting good and I'm, and I'm just getting started. Yes. And I see how intentional you are in promoting academic excellence from on the podcast, Getting Grown Itself, to team typing fast check-ins on Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, I love how you lift as you climb. Why is that so important to you to 
you have so much on your plate and just making sure that you're encouraging people along the path, even if you can't physically be there and helping them on their campus. I feel like I would not certainly not be where I am had it not been for other women of color who uh, reached back and got me. Um, and I'm not just talking about people who I've had the, the great fortune of working with closely as mentors or, um, you know, advisors, but I'm even talking like people who I have admired from afar off, people who have given me encouragement, people who I went to their talks and said, I'm proud of you, keep going. So I, I think that, you know, I, I know what it's like to be on a campus and feel alone. I know what it's like to have a desire to pursue a degree or to start a business or to, to develop a project and not feel like you have the tools and resources, but somebody taking the time to encourage you, making all the difference. So, I mean, I don't feel like, I, I feel like this is my duty. It's not even something that I see as, as uh, you know, optional. Like we, we are all we got. Uh, and I, like I said, I, I wouldn't be where I am if, if people hadn't opened the door for me. So the more that I know, you know, much is given, much is required. I am duty bound to share. And, and I, I just think there's no other way for us to, uh, to, to have any level of collective impact if we're stingy and we don't, and we don't share and, and collaborate and, and build community along the way. And I think that's something that comes naturally to us as people of color, as women of color specifically. I say all the time, nobody will encourage your heart like a black woman. She don't even have to try. Like, no one, yes. no, like, nobody. <laughs> I remember the viral video of the, of the young man that was on a skateboard and the black woman just walked up to him and was, you know, keep going, blah, blah, blah. It just comes naturally to us. We see each other in yes. the mall and just be like, all right, girl, I see you there. Like, <laughs> right, just, just yes. that eye contact. I mean, like, just, yep, I see you, it you see me. naturally to us. So, like, I think, I, so these these communities, um, like, you know, I remember being that, that girl at UConn and being the only person there who looked like me and who who I felt like cared about the things that I care about. And I know what that loneliness and 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 how that can feels like and how that can be so discouraging. So if, if I can, you know, uh, post on Instagram, which takes me all of five seconds, if I can say something to somebody on Twitter, if I can encourage you via any of the platforms that I have, that's not that don't cost me anything. So I'm happy to do that. And, and, you know, it's so important to me what you do as well, because I experienced that myself, that shift, the culture shock from going from New York, the Bronx specifically to Penn, you know, Ivy League University, which was like, absolutely. Uh, OK. <laughs> and I had culture shock of both. Not so different, much, just, right? just different, like, different kind yeah. of black people. Like, that was the absolutely. biggest culture shock for me. So I know absolutely. what that is like. And I think the work that you're doing is so, so important. Just the other day, me and my best friend were talking about. I was like, yo, I had some sad times at Penn. Sad times I haven't even told you about, you know? Yeah. So it's real. It's real. It's very real. It's very real. And I mean, the thing that I love and I'm trying to really build, um, especially through getting grown and team stopping fast, is that, you know, one thing that we do, um, even in like, you know, in every professional sense, like we we isolate ourselves and only talk to each other. Yes. So I feel like there are things that I have learned I have learned how to navigate college and graduate school and academe. And I've gotten major lessons from people who don't even have degrees. Mm. I learned from entrepreneurs. Yep. I learned from, from grandmas and big mamas. I learned, from, I learned from everybody. So team typing fast is not just for academics. It's the place where academics come and, and, you know, uh, commiserate yes. and, and celebrate one another. But 
you know, having a degree is not the is not like a, a criteria right. for being a part. Like I learned so much from from all women, from all works of life, people who, you know, have opened salons and businesses. And, you know, I, I, we we need to get together and and share mm-hmm. as, <laughs> share that information. There's a lot that that a, a burgeoning academic can learn from a hustler. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which is why I love, you know, talking to so many different women because it encourages me because at some point we're all going to feel alone, out of place. Or just mm-hmm. like, you know, what is the thing that Michelle Obama says, the first and only or something like that? Um, right. You know, we are we are those things. I want to know more about what your full time role entails. Okay. What exactly does Dr. Kia do? <laughs> Dr. Kia. Dr. Kia does a lot of things. She does a lot of fast typing. But OK, right now I'm working as the uh, assistant director of research and policy at the office uh, in the office of undergraduate STEM education at the Association of American Colleges and Universities. That's a really long title, but it does fit on one business card. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's essentially um, after completing my Ph.D., um, you know, kind of like the traditional conventional route is to go into academia and become a professor. And I, um, I have great respect for the professoriate and, um, I fully, fully, um, value everything that I've learned from other faculty members that have cultivated me. Um, but it was really important to me coming from a, a practical and administrative background that the work that we're doing as academics, the research that we are generating, the knowledge that is hopefully pushing the field forward, it's really important to me that that is just not relegated to scholarly journals and books, right? Because only a small population of people actually read those things. And it gets even smaller, you know, depending upon the fields that you work in. I was very, very intentional about making sure that that whatever I'm learning gets to the people who are actually using it and, and needing it. Whatever information I have, like, you know, if, I'm, if, I, if, my, if I study broadening participation programs, if I study programs that are designed to, you know, attract and retain students in certain programs, I want to make sure that whatever I'm learning, other program administrators have that. Um, and, and these people may or may not have PhDs, but it's really important to me that there's a practical element to what I'm doing. Because, you know, that, that, limited uh reach is really a matter of gatekeeping right it keeps it keeps the information among the people who already have it and not necessarily uh sharing it with with the people who need to get it so working um in in where i work now um i'm able to you know the research that we do informs a lot of different things it forms curriculum it informs uh policy it informs um uh, practice. So what we do at AACNU, specifically in the Office of Undergraduate STEM Education, we have some signature programs and we work very closely with faculty and other institutional leaders on college campuses. And we, you know, do different, uh, you know, leadership development training, professional development training, and we do all kinds of um, awesome, great work that helps the people, the faculty that are um, that are on the front line, you know, trying to work with these students and making sure that they have what they have in order to support everyone in equitable and and and, and socially just ways. So we uh, do all this amazing research and then we, you know, design programs and we have um, people who come and be a part of our different institutes and um, seminars and conferences. So I get to, you know, travel the country and share what we're learning with people who are uh, you know, decision makers and leaders on campuses and hopefully influence their practice for the better. Um, so it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, 
the research element doesn't, you know, the research element is still just as robust and rigorous as it was or as it is for someone doing uh, research in a conventional academic way. Um, but the practical piece is, is really um, paramount um, for our organization and for me personally. And I had the opportunity of working with an awesome um awesome team under the leadership of uh, an awesome Black woman, and we get to do this work in the world, and I'm just excited, um, and I'm excited to be able to, to do it, and I'm learning and growing and, and kind of fumbling my way through, because, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't have, you know, we As don't we have all lots are. of examples. Yes. Yeah, like, I'm, so I'm figuring it out and taking, taking my, taking my hits and trying to, trying to grow and be better every day, but you know, I, I get to teach teachers. I get to teach uh, faculty and, and deans and provosts and presidents all of the things that they need to know. Because um, uh, one of the things that's most interesting about higher education as an institution or as an enterprise is that, you know, a lot of times you'll look and you'll see that the, the college president is Dr. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. And you read their bio and, you know, he or she might be uh, an anthropologist or uh, a chemist mm. or, um, you know, an engineer. And, you know, that means that by training, they have a PhD, they have all this education in that specific discipline, and they're awesome at that. But they may or may not have, you know, uh, some, uh, may or may not have uh, awareness or um, exposure to what we know about higher education as a field, yes. Um, how do how the college runs? You know what's necessary. How do we make sure mm-hmm. that um, you know, as an institution of society, what are the ways that that your institution is representing kind of those values? Right. And you know, are we doing what we say we're going to do when it comes to diversity and inclusion and equity? So those are the kinds of questions that we um, we tackle. Uh, um, at an institution level, at an institutional level, and you know it's dope, and I and I'm just I'm I'm grateful that I get to to be a part of this good work. And I love how passionate you are. You could tell that you know we could do a whole interview on academia. <laughs> we, don't <laughs> worry, guys. We're going to transition to side hustles. But one of the things okay. that you just you know kind of like a light bulb moment for me, and the reasons why this is so difficult, like helping people to f- truly feel like they fit or belong in spaces is because academia is political. So people might become yes. uh, a person might become the Dean of students from a background completely unrelated to working Absolutely. with people and, and building Absolutely. community among students. It's just that, Absolutely. you know, they had the right yeah. network in that university. Absolutely. And, and people, everybody feels like they know how colleges work because they went to college. Right, right, it's, a right, bit, right. it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's a little bit more that. complex. Um, so, especially since, you know, a lot of our institutions are serving thousands of people from all oh kinds yes, of backgrounds oh yes. and walks of life. So we have to we have to challenge and institutions themselves were designed to serve one demographic mm-hmm. with rich white male <laughs> uh, and that's just the bottom oh, line like, you know what I'm saying like you know when Harvard was was, was designed that's who was um, in attendance they, that's who it was built exactly, for yep. that's, they were trying to serve that population now they serve a lot you know the, the, the population is a lot more diverse but unfortunately you'll find at that institution and others the policies and structures and systems and, and laws and, and bylaws and cultural values, they have not evolved, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, right. to represent the diversity that's in the population. So we get to go in and kind of find out where those holes are and help people develop the tools to, that they need to fill. Them. Exactly. Let's transition to all about your side hustling. So as I mentioned in the beginning, you are multi-passionate, multifaceted, and I'm really 
curious and always just fascinated by your path as a podcaster. Yeah. You know, I love your podcast and fellow podcasters. I'm always interested in how you're doing this. You know, what what inspired you? So why did you decide to start a podcast as a side hustle with your co-host Jade? And how did it come about? I got to be honest with you, sis. Uh, this was not again. This this was something that I wasn't really like checking for. It wasn't it wasn't like, you know, I had this plan or vision that I was going to have a podcast one day. It just so happened that I was connected to um, kind of like a peep, um, you know, a group of friends and a network that were kind of making waves in the podcast space. And I was encouraged, like, you know, you should have a podcast. And I was like, I don't have nothing to talk about. What y'all want to hear? Like, I don't do nothing. <laughs> I don't do nothing but go to work every day. And, you know, yes. I go to choir rehearsal on Saturday. Then I, you know, that's it. Um, but, you know, a really close friend, my brother, actually, Kid Fury was like, you know what, there is, there are hosts of women who are just like you. They get up and they go to work every day and they would love to hear about you and your life because they, I'm sure that there's some, some areas of connection and synergy there. People are looking for that kind of community because we're all out here just trying to figure out how to be uh, real adults. <laughs> so that was how it was presented to myself and to Jade. And we decided to just try it on for size. You know what I'm saying? We were thinking, oh, we'll just do a couple of episodes and see if it sticks. And it stuck in a way that I <laughs> that I never, ever anticipated that it would. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, we we have kind of been going strong ever since. You know, I was told... When did it start? 2017? Yes, we started in March of 2017. Um, and again... My thought, my thing was, oh, we're going to do a couple episodes. We probably do this for a few months. Jade and I are celebrating 5 million uh, listens and downloads. Like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> that, yes. That, you know, that many people have pressed play <laughs> and uh, are, are tuning into my foolishness <laughs> once a week. <laughs> that is just the most ridiculous thing. Is there anything that surprised you about the whole process, whether it's the business side or the actual creative process of making yes. the, the episodes each each week so what i never ever anticipated was that producing a podcast was a full-time job i didn't know that uh for a long time i was like oh this is something i do on the side but then when i sat and thought about all that goes into producing content um and you know all of the back inner workings of having a podcast it was like oh no i got a couple of jobs this is this is a job job um so i never ever anticipated that it would be this much work it's great work and, and rewarding work and work that I don't mind doing because I, I recognize the need for for the spaces that I feel like, you know, your show and my show provide. But it, I, I was definitely blindsided by the amount of... <laughs> yes, by, it is a job. It is, it a, is job. a job. It is a job. Planning out content, having calendars right. and, you know, especially when you start negotiating you know, all the ad stuff and oh mm -hmm. my word, it's just so much. And I'm grateful. Thanks. Um, so super grateful that we have the help and support of Loudspeakers Network because, you know, getting grown yes. on, on Loudspeakers Network and they mm -hmm. really handle the lion's share of that. If, if they did not, things would totally be different because, I mean, even with what they do, it's a lot of work for myself and for Jay. But, you know, we figuring it out and it's worth it. Well, it's worth it. It is. It absolutely is. Your content, you know, it gets us through. And so I'm an independent podcaster. I don't have the benefit of a, a network at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what is what is it that you take on as a podcaster? So as people who are starting out, we know we have to record, we have to write our episodes, publish, edit it every week. 
is there any of that you're able to outsource or are you, you still doing that? Because I know I've seen you tweet like, it's going to be late this week, guys. So are you physically editing as well? We're not editing. Loudspeakers handle, handles all of our editing, but Jade and I, uh, you know, we are responsible for content creation and producing the show um, and recording. And, and we record remotely. So Jade records in Brooklyn and I record in D.C. And then, you know, we send our files to loudspeakers and we have an editor um, by the name of Ty, who's been really dope um, and helping us kind of put things together. So they handle that. But Jade and I, as far as like, you know, timing out segments and uh, content for each segment and putting that all together, that is something that we are are doing on our own. Got it. And I also love your ad reads, you know, especially when you lost your luggage. Oh, um, I did use your code I, or I used something. I think it was yeah. for third love bras. But so thank you, girl. Um, but because <laughs> I mean, we tell With, the truth. We yes, tell the yes truth. you tell the truth. We tell the truth, honey. Life be life in. <laughs> and we just be like, all right, now, uh, away had to send me a bag because the people walked off with my stuff. You're like, this is a great, great piece of luggage. But by the way, my gig is stolen. Hey, anyway, you know? they will take your thing. Everybody got it. But you're going to have to have some distinguishing and features as you of know, your bag. I experienced that as well. So when it comes to monetizing, so usually with side hustles, you know, I feel like a lot of people go into it with kind of a hobby mentality or this is just something I love doing and, you know, we'll see where it goes. Right. At what point did you have that lens? And if so, at what point did you switch to, okay, this is something that we need to take seriously and, and have business goals for it in terms of revenue? I would say maybe about a year in um, mm-hmm. because I, I, I don't feel like, um, you know, every now and then we would have uh, some, you know, Last week's with us and say that someone was interested in advertising on the show. Um, but I think by the time we had, we were a year in, we had developed a rhythm. If we were intentional about certain things, we can kind of, you know, maximize on that momentum and continue to grow and build. So I think it became real for me, uh, you know, when I was like, oh, these checks, you know, these checks can be a little bit more frequent if we do X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? If we, if we think about this this way, then perhaps, you know, I was like, so, and about a year in, it was like, you know, this helps. This this helps. Let me see how I can supplement, you know, income in a different way. Because, you know, you know, I'm single and trying to figure it out. Jade has a family. Um, and just kind of the, the residual income that we were getting, um, you know, was, is a blessing. Because yes. the way that my life and my work schedule is set up, I don't really have a lot of space for a side hustle. I got to be real strategic in how I schedule all of this out. But the podcast and the flexibility of the podcast, um, if we are intentional about the way that we schedule it out, has really been clutch for me in terms of building it and in, in, into my life in a way that makes sense. Um, you know, always a part of, uh, you know, reading books and business, uh, books and business, especially by black men and women. And one of the things that people always tell you is that, you know, when you're really making money, like you're making money in your sleep. It's like, how can I set this up? Yes. That I don't have, you know, that, that my uh, investment of kind of like time and energy and attention can be what it needs to be. But also, even when I'm not sitting at my computer or when I'm not recording, the money is still coming in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as fellow podcasters, we know that this is a long game. I don't want people to feel like, oh, this could be a, a very, you know, I just got to get up and make a, no, a podcast right. and I start making a side check. So. What do you think has been integral in helping you guys grow to a level where you can monetize? Consistency. And I feel like uh, Jade and I have been really intentional about being authentic to who we are. We listen to other shows and we um, love other shows. We consume other shows as fans. And we try we try to be diligent around uh, kind of, 
you know, it's good to model um, or have, you know, people that you look up to, brands that you just really are inspired by. But there's nothing like being yourself. And I really learned that. I had to learn that the hard way. Um, Jade and I, I feel like it took us time um, and consistency to really kind of figure out who we are in this space. And to be mm-hmm. so passionate about that, that we won't compromise it for anything. Like we don't have any interest yes. in being like any other show. And it yes. takes time for you to find your lane. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's tons like the podcast market now, especially is completely saturated. Um, everyone has a podcast, but I believe that I don't see that as a bad thing. I, same, I, same. I, I, I don't think that is a bad thing. Uh-uh. I feel like there's enough internet out here for everybody. <laughs> yes, it is ongoing internet. What is it? I feel like there's a stat that people scroll five miles a day hey, on the Facebook news feed. Like listen, it is crazy how much internet is out there. There's enough. There is so much internet out there. <laughs> how it's much people out, are consuming. It's, yeah, yeah. It's out here for all of us. Um, and I feel like this is something that we should be doing. We should be maximizing on it. I think it's a part of a culture shift, a paradigm shift. Right. People are watching, po- listening to podcasts like we used to watch TV back in the day. Exactly. So that, and, right. So that being said, find your lane and remain true to it. Like, you know, Jade yes. and I are not trying to be out here like, you know, therapy for black girls or any other essences podcast or your podcast. Like we respect right. you all so much. Um, and we love what you have built. We are also that passionate about what we are building. Mm-hmm. And I love what you have built. And I love also that you said consistency. You know, when people ask me, how did you grow it? And, you know, I break it down, I break down marketing tips and things like that. But honestly, the consistency piece is huge. And nobody wants to, sometimes people don't want to hear it. It seems like so like, okay, but what else? (laughs) But no. It seems like people take it for granted, but you have to, like, you have to take the steps. We talk about this on the show all the time. It ain't no elevators. Like, it's very Mm -mm. few people. Even if you look at the larger, more popular podcast like i look right. always look at the read like people think the read the read is like eight years in do y'all understand yes. what that means <laughs> like yes eight like i remember when it first started like the read is 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 they've been consistent and this is the thing this is what uh fury and crystal have all in you know the friend zone everyone has shared this with us it's like it's you know having amazing content and showing up every week um, as best you can. And we know life happens and we know getting grown is not always on time, but we're working on that. <laughs> but you cannot say that you have gone right. weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks without an episode with us. We've never missed a week. We've been late, but we've never missed a week because that consistency is key. Exactly. And it also helps you to get better. Yes. So, you know, the consistency, it works both ways. It's not just for your audience is for you to re-listen and to say, you know what? Mm, we can fit, we can, we can be better. Like you are also growing. The more you do something, you get better. Yes. So why wouldn't you want to do it every week so that you can be getting better that much quicker? Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of Side Hustle Pro is brought to you by 99designs. 99designs is the global creative platform that makes it easy for designers and clients to work together. From logos to apps and packaging to book covers, 99designs is the go-to creative resource for any budget. I just used 99designs to find Tika Design, an amazing designer who helped me create new t-shirts for Side Hustle Pro with my new logo and a whole fresh new look. And through 99designs, I was able to search for different designers, explore their portfolios, and find one that worked for me. 
Tika Design and I had seamless, real-time communication and she works super fast. I couldn't have been happier with the results and you guys will be able to order my new merch soon at the Side Hustle Pro Live show and online. Whatever your project though, 99designs will match you with the right designer for you from their curated community of talented creatives. And they are with you every step of the way to make sure that you are absolutely in love with the outcome. Right now, Side Hustle Pro listeners can get $20 off plus a $99 power pack upgrade on your first contest by going to 99designs.com slash side hustle pro. That's 99designs.com slash side hustle pro to get $20 off and a $99 upgrade on your first contest. And by the way, with a contest, you submit a brief which is seen by designers all over the world. And then interested designers submit concepts for you to review and you choose your favorite to keep working with. Isn't that cool? Again, you can head over to 99designs.com slash side hustle pro to get $20 off and a $99 upgrade on your first contest. So the number one question I get about side hustling is how do I get started? And the other day, I decided to kind of take inventory of what I was doing in my early days of side hustling. How did I get started with Side Hustle Pro? And the biggest thing that stood out to me is that I was always investing in skill and personal development. And I like to do just-in-time learning. So when I was ready to do something new or try something else, I would invest in a class to learn that skill and then practice implementing it. So the rest of my development and learning came from my actual experience. So I highly recommend you do the same. What is it that you want to do? Do you want to finally put up your website? Then head over to Skillshare and take a class on putting up your website. Do you want to get started with social media and you're not sure how to start? Head over to Skillshare and start taking some classes. Skillshare is so great because it's an online learning community. It has over 25,000 classes in anything you can think of from photography to entrepreneurship, even podcasting. And right now they are offering a special offer just for Side Hustle Pro listeners. You can get two months of unlimited access to Skillshare for free. Imagine what you can do in two months, how many classes you can take. But remember to do the implementation piece, all right? So head over to Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Pro. That's Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Pro to get started with your two free months. And one more time, that's Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Pro. So now let's talk a little bit about Team Typing Fast. Now, what exactly is Team Typing Fast? How did it come about? What is the the actual, I guess, group? Yeah. So Team Typing Fast it was is a hashtag. It started off as a hashtag, and it was a joke from the big from the beginning. Um, um, I was on the read, and I think it was like mm, it had to be 2015. 15. Yeah, I was yeah. listening to that. Yeah. I was in, on the read on Thanksgiving. I went up to New York for Thanksgiving, um, and I was on the read in the Turkey and Greens episode 2015. <laughs> and I had just defended my dissertation proposal, and I was going to be writing my dissertation for the next, you know, 10, 10 to 12 months. Um, and Fury and Crystal were like, you know, what are you guys doing? You guys looking, you looking ahead to the holiday break. What are you guys going to be doing? How are you going to be spending your time? And I said, I'm going to be somewhere typing fast. <laughs> because I have a lot of work to do and I'm, if y'all need me you know what I'm saying I'm just going to be in the corner with my laptop I'm going to be somewhere typing real fast yes and that became kind of like a, a kind of like a 
a rallying cry for myself. It was a way that I would hold myself accountable. And I mm-hmm. started to use the hashtag team typing fast to kind of chronicle my journey of writing my dissertation again with no intention that it would be anything other than just something that I use. I never expected um, people to kind of connect with it, but eventually other people started using the hashtag as well. And people started asking about it. Other, you know, other women in, in graduate programs, other women working on projects, somebody was getting their real estate license. Somebody was working on a book. Somebody was studying for the bar. We would really get together online only. And, um, you know, we would just kind of check in with each other, you know, how's it going today? Or I would say today was a horrible day. I didn't get anything done. Teams happen fast. Like I would just kind of use that hashtag on Twitter and it became a thing. It started to grow legs. Um, such that when the, uh, podcast started after I finished my dissertation and, you know, all of that the podcast started and, uh, it became, you know, that the, the, the growth of that platform also added to the attention that the hashtag was getting and you know people started asking like we should have like meetups we should like do things with this you know this is like a thing and of course i was like you know reluctant at first like oh child this ain't ain't nobody it's just a few people using this hashtag this ain't um but you know i was encouraged to just kind of like you know just see um so i decided december of 2017 that i was going to have a little event just kind of like just if I was to have a meetup of, of sorts, would people come? And it was going to be super small. I think I only budgeted for like 50 people. And I kind of used my little savings to just kind of put this little event together. Um, and it sold out in like four days. Um, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, so <laughs> we have something here. I said, perhaps, you know, this is a thing. So um, from that, you know, it's kind of been an iterative process, but it's evolving. And Team Type Fast, is literally a, a community of practice that utilizes digital and in-person spaces to build community accountability and support for women of color who have work to do and are committed to doing the hell out of it. Yes. Um, it started out, you know, you know, there's probably a, a strong kind of academic uh, leaning, but what I love about it is that there are women of all walks of life, all professions. We have lawyers and doctors and real estate agents and and uh, real estate developers and and engineers and um, lawyers, judges and all authors and influencers. Everyone using this hashtag have kind of like bought into this community, and it's just a space where we kind of say, "Hey, girl, what you working on? How can I help you?" Um, let me know what you're doing. How can I support you? How can I promote you? It's just kind of like what we're, what we're, here's what I'm learning. Here's what I, here's a lesson that I learned. Do this, don't do that. It's just spaces where we get together and kind of share what we're doing and what we're learning amongst women of color, uh, men of color too. We do have some brothers in the team type of fast. We love you guys too. But yes, it is, it is really kind of been my, uh, my baby that's grown. And I, and I, it's, I see it as, if I were a professor, Team Type Fast would be my, these are my advisees. These are my students, my kids. Not that I'm teaching them something, but I see myself as someone who is um, in position to provide encouragement and support and hopefully model for them persistence towards your purpose. Let's talk about the juggle, though. I, I personally prefer, I prefer the term juggle over balance. Because ain't no balance. Ain't no balance. I don't think things are ever <laughs> just harmoniously no in balance. So how do you personally juggle work, the podcast, travel to your work yeah. events, your podcast live shows, the larger brand that you're building with Team Type and Fast, and 
and more. Did I miss anything? No, that's it. Uh, I think <laughs> and church. I have, to, yeah. I have to be very honest. This is this is a place where I am growing. Um, yeah. I, this is something that I'm learning lessons uh, and learning things the hard way. Figuring out um, how to how to manage all of this. Sometimes I do well, and sometimes I don't. I think I am. I what what keeps it together for me is that God's grace is sufficient. And he has, I feel like he has uh, set my feet on this path and he has opened these doors for me. And I'm just trusting that he's going to give me what I need to continue to walk through them. I don't know how I'm doing a lot of this. I'm, I'm just being honest and frank, but I'm trying my best to show up every day and do the very best that I can. I'm very, um, I'm learning how to ask for help when I need it. I'm learning how to delegate. I'm learning how to um, to uh, you know just just take support. I think one of the things that I've had to kind of like break down for myself is this like superwoman trope, and I feel like that's kind of hokey. And I I never would have called myself a superwoman, so to speak. But um, I was definitely socialized by uh, an amazing black mom who was juggling all manner of responsibilities, and I never saw her sweat. And while I never saw her sweat. And I, I am inspired by her fortitude. It would have been awesome to see her sweat sometimes because then it would let me know that it's okay for me to sweat too. <laughs> um, yes. So I, I, I am, I am, I am learning that uh, in order for me to have sustainability and to have continued success, I have to have some level of um, of control and intentionality. And I'm going to use the word balance because I feel like. That means that I have to uh, figure out and prioritize my time in ways that are most efficient for the goals that I have. So it's, it's I'm, I mean, I wish I had some hardcore strategies for, for you know, this is what I do in order to, to maintain my sanity. But I got to be honest that a lot of times I'm, I'm not sane. <laughs> and <laughs> like I'm tired I'm just and it's not going it's well. not going well and I'm just I try to be honest and transparent about that and I'm trying to, to cultivate better systems to manage but I'm literally uh just coming out of a, of a five a four week travel like I was I, I was out of my apartment for four weeks um traveling for work um and you know Sometimes you just got to sit down in the seat and say, I'm tired, boss. Like, I'm tired. Yeah. Like, you know? So um, Jade and I are thinking about ways that we can weave some breaks in, um, mm-hmm. but still maintain our consistency and and not let our listeners down. So, I mean, there's ways that you have to kind of uh, navigate it and figure it out. Um, this is something I wish that I was able to say, oh, these are the things that you do, but I'm still figuring it out. I am. Mm-hmm. And we all are. And that's, you know, thank you for being transparent because it's real. And especially with a podcast like yours, where you do talk about current events, I know you feel the pressure to be timely in the moment, talk about what just happened. Right. But at the same time, you know, SNL takes breaks, daily shows, Absolutely. nighttime shows take breaks. So um, there, there's there's a way. There's a model out there. Speaking of the travel, how do you plan out your live events when you're thinking through your calendar for the year, for example? And you know you want to do a tour. You know you want to do team typing fast brunches and events. How so far have you been thinking through planning that? And then has anything changed in that process? Um, I would say, honestly, uh, I try to be attentive to what the audience. But I, I really am. Um, I review analytics quite a bit, both for, you know, team typing fast and for getting grown. As far as getting grown is concerned, like we really look at where our top markets are. 
where our, our listeners are, are concentrated and we listen to, you know, comments, how people are responding on the show, where they're responding from. And we use that as a gauge to kind of think about where it might make sense for us to have future shows um, or to do future things in that city. The same for Team Typing Fast. Um, I'm right now, I'm just like thinking about where I know there are large communities of Black women. And I mean, you know, Black women are not, one thing we are not, um, <laughs> we have never been shy about saying what we want. So the girls, <laughs> the girls love to jump into my comments and say, "Hey, girl, come on to Jacksonville, come to Charlotte, come here, come there." So I, <laughs> I keep a running tally of of that kind of feedback and use that along with my team to to make decisions as far as where we're going to end up next. I just try to keep my ear to the ground. Yeah, and I mean, I really admire, and I don't want to even understate this because I really think that it is it is huge the way you are willing and ready to create these safe spaces for your audience to not only hear you or see you on social media, but see you in person and to show up that way. So as you're thinking through just your schedule for the year, for example, for a live tour, is that something you plan out at the top of the year? Is that something you plan a year in advance? How do you make sure that that happens with your work schedule? Yeah, that's that can be tough. Uh, we do have to have like lead time. Lead time is, is essential depending upon, um, you know, the size or, or the length of the time that we're going to be out on the road. We like to have at least I need at least at least three, four months in advance because um, that gives me a sense on what's going on at work and what weekends I'll be available or what days, you know, when I can kind of get everything in. Lead time has really made all of the difference um, as far as like, you know, figuring out where the opportunities are for us to engage with the audiences. And do you see these as another part of your revenue stream or is it more so a kind of goodwill that you want to do for your audience? When we are able to, uh, you know, find the right venue and, and get it to get the tickets sold and all of that, they can absolutely um, generate revenue. Um, but, you know, and I mean, everybody wants to have large, huge, successful sold out events. And we have had them, thank, thankfully. Um, but I also value our more intimate kind of settings. So, you know, our show in New York and our show in Philadelphia, you know, they were smaller, maybe like 100 people versus like 300 people. But, um, uh, and then the team typing fast events have been even smaller than that. I think that uh, intimacy creates uh, another level of safety for people to really open up and say what they got to say and express what their needs are and, you know, position themselves to get their needs met. Um, so I'm not at all. So I, I would say it's a little bit of both. I think there's a way to, to, uh, plan and execute your event events, um, even smaller events such that, you know, it, it won't cost you. Like we don't want to do anything that's going to cost us money. Um, but, and you know, you can, you can definitely generate income, um, from any, any size event. It is something that, you know, you want to make, you want to do what makes sense financially. It is an investment of your time. So, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't I think it is goodwill, but we it's not charity. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, you know, that's a whole other podcast. You know what I'm saying about that? Because, you know, my rent is owners due every month. They want it. Bad, charge it. They want it they every want month. They want it every month. Like, and that's just is, how much. And it, and it costs. Like, you know. Things cost. Yeah, things cost money to Absolutely. produce. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Now, what do you hope long-term for Getting Grown podcast to become and for Team Typing Fast to become? I think that Getting Grown is really just kind of really become 
I just love, I feel like we are all just kind of like at a big cookout every week. Um, <laughs> and I just love the way that we love on each other. It's really a positive space. And we come and we have our shady moments because that's, you know, a part of who we are as well. But for the most part, it's just not a negative, it's just not a negative uh, show. It's not a negative, you know, and we just talk about life and, and how we're trying to figure it all out. It's very real. It's very authentic. I would love to see Getting Grown continue to grow because I feel like there's a lot of people, a lot of us who are um, fledgling through this whole adulting thing. And, you know, why don't we all just do it together? If, if we could grow, I would love for us to kind of, you know, um, see some larger stages. Like I would love to, you know, do, you know, uh, Summer 21 or uh, Culture Con or um, even Essence one day. I would love for us to kind of be in those spaces. That, that would be that would be dope to me because I just I think that, you know, it would it would give us even larger platform to do the important work that I think we're doing. The same thing for Team Type and Fast, honestly. Um, I'm hoping to launch TeamTypeAndFast.com formally. It's kind of like in its soft launch right now. I'm hoping to do that over the next couple of weeks. Um, and I, I, I see that as kind of just like, you know, and, and I want us to just have, I don't know, I just feel like I'm stumbling, but I want us to just continue to grow and to be able to touch more and more uh, people every day, larger cities, I mean, larger, larger events in, in more cities and um, just having that one-on-one connection. You know, I'd love to, you know, go to some college campuses and, and, you know, again, do conferences and those things like that. I just, those are my those are my hopes and dreams for both getting grown and team typing fast. I probably should be a bit more specific, but right now I just want to continue to to build on the momentum that I think we have because I think we're onto something. And I also feel like something big could come from this. And I don't you know I don't even know what yet. Oh, it will. <laughs> oh, it will. Exactly. We don't, don't even, even know, know what yet. yet but I just believe that as you're speaking, yeah. I hear it. Yeah. And, you know, as you're speaking, I know sometimes it can feel like, oh, man, I should have like a tight answer Mm -hmm. for this or blah, blah, blah. First of all, I want to dispel that because anytime I'm in an interview guest chair, I hate it because I'm like, y'all, I do not. It's funny. It's ironic because I'm like, I do not like trying to sum up my life because I don't know. I don't know. And things can change so quickly. Like my life. Things can change so quickly. My life right now doesn't look like I thought it would look when I was 30. At all. (laughs) At At all. But the thing is, sometimes there. I do think it's a balance. You do need, sometimes we do need to sit down. I like sitting down and plan and thinking through the, the goals for my life. Where do I want to be a year from now? That's as far as I go. I don't go into five, 10 year plans, but where do I want to be a year from now? And then I do these 12 week sprints to kind of like, um, get me closer to that. But then also I believe in the power of sometimes when you just are heads down, I like to say lay low and Mm -hmm. build things are coming to you. You know, like like the quote uh, you see on Instagram these days, like your name is in rooms you haven't even stepped foot in yet. So there's there's also power in not necessarily trying to put a box around it all and allowing yourself to do that work because, you know, it's leading you somewhere. And when the time is right, that vision will be made clear. So how do you hope for these worlds to collide on the business front? So we I talked about that, that where am I where do I want to be a year from now? All side hustlers, we do have a vision, right? What's the long-term full-time hustle vision for Dr. Kia? I would love to be self-sustaining. Um, but I mean, to be honest, I see like, you know, I got a PhD because I wanted to do research and I wanted to do work in the ways that I'm, that I'm doing now. And I, I want to continue to grow and do things on, on that scale. But 
I want to grow. And, um, you know, even I, I do have a consulting firm that kind of like, you know, is, is the larger umbrella for both, uh, team top and fast. And, you know, my, my, my portion of getting grown is called purpose and practice. Um, and I would love for purpose and practice to, to grow and to be its own kind of think tank and reform center. Um, and, and just have all of these things kind of connect and come together. Now, uh, that's real long-term. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how these things, you know, uh, coalesce and combine in the short term. Um, but I think ideally that's where I would love to be. Um, and to be able to kind of like have the flexibility to move about on my own without having, um, you know, uh, uh, a time clock to punch, so to speak. Yes. Um, yes. Um, I value that. I feel like I'm in a phase now where I'm just soaking up. I'm a sponge and I'm trying to learn everything that I can learn um, and all the positions that I have right now so that when it comes time for me to kind of build out on my own, I'll have the tools um, and the experiences in order to do that. Um, but right now I'm in, I'm very much in a, and I see myself here for a little while now, just really trying to keep my, keep my head down, work hard, pay attention to the market and to the context and to the, and to the field. So I can really know what, uh, what problems I want to be a part of, of, of addressing kind of like finding out where my, where the need is that I want to address and really just kind of building something that will, um, kind of be a multifaceted way of affecting change. Um, and yeah, I think, I think on the long term, I, I would love to just kind of be my own, be my own, boss and just kind of like out here moving and grooving and doing the things that, uh, I feel like I've been called to do. Um, but I, I recognize that you gotta, there is, there is something to kind of, um, this, this apprenticeship kind of, you know, I'm a student of the field right now. So I'm, I want to learn it and know it so that when it's time for me to pop, we can pop like Cardi B. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I see the vision. I see it. All right, now we're going to jump into the lightning round. You know, the deal, you just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. All right, ready? I'm ready. All right, let's go. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your side hustles that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? I have recently become addicted to Canva. You know, Canva.com. It's like the graphic design uh, assistant oh, website. Yes. I use Canva. Um, and it's helped, it helps me put together, you know, my Instagram posts and the things uh, for the website, other, other kind of uh, business and branding kind of documents that we need for both Team Tap and Fast, um, Purpose and Practice and Getting Grown. So like I have Canva is, is my baby. Like I don't go nowhere without her. She's always in my purse. <laughs> All right. Number two, what's been the best business book that you've consumed this year? Um, the best business book that I have consumed this year. You know what? OK, let me just I always say the title or, uh, all, all messed up, but let me, um, okay. So, uh, it is, uh, your next level by Karen Arrington. Um, it's a seven rules of power, confidence, and opportunity for black women in America. Love it. That's a new one. I think. All right. Number three, who is a black woman side hustler that motivates you to keep going and why? So I have to say, um, um, my dissertation advisor and uh, kind of like my mentor in life now, Dr. Sharon Freeze Britt, is a side hustler that I, you know, she is the prototype. She, uh, you know, started off as a university administrator at the University of Maryland, transitioned into the faculty and has worked her way all the way up to full professor, but has had a healthy consulting business and just had multiple streams of income 
and and built businesses around um, providing uh, resources to institutions in, in you know in the areas of diversity and equity work. Um, and she's just a dope black woman. She manages, you know, she has a, she has a family, and um, she's all been a just like a world-renowned scholar and academic. But she is a, a consultant um, and, and has had a healthy consultancy um, for almost twenty years. And I just have I love to sit at her feet and and learn and watch her move in these spaces. Um, you know, she's in the position now when people call her and she's just turning the girls down. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have any more. I just don't have any more love space. It. And I love yes. it. You know, and I'm seeing that, you know, her and, you know, Dr. Dr. Kim Griffin is another. And it's to the point now where, you know, the things that they, you know, that come down the pike, they're able to outsource. So they call me with stuff. So I want to be able to be, you know, that, you know, I want to, you know, things coming into the degree where I'm calling the, you know, the generation behind me, like, can you handle this for me? I just don't have the space. <laughs> <laughs> love it. And it's nice to have a blueprint like that. I, I love it. Yes, Absolutely. Number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your side hustles? A personal habit that has helped me significantly in my side hustles. Uh, y'all are going to laugh, but I'm going to say prayer. <laughs> um, I have been really intentional about cultivating a healthy prayer life. Uh, and um, just just because I am, uh, I got multiple tabs open in my brain and I'm easily distracted. One of the things that has helped me is writing my prayers down. Cause I know that when I start praying, like in my head, I drift off into like, Oh girl, you got to get some gas and you got to pay your light bill. (laughs) (laughs) I drift off. And then I'd be like, you know what, Lord, I am so terribly sorry. So (laughs) so to kind of keep that at bay, I have a prayer journal that I carry around in my purse. And there, and I also have like a, 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 a living document in my Google drive that I can access on my phone and all of my other devices when I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious. It is nothing. And you see me, you know, my thumbs are going on my phone. I'm not texting Bay. I'm actually talking to the Lord because I need him to kind of come and help me, give me perspective around whatever anxiety that I'm feeling. So I would say that that has really been the only way. Uh, prayer um, and and uh, just really being intentional about praying, keeping a prayer journal, those kinds of things. Oh, I love that. I needed that one. All right. So finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow side hustlers who are trying to juggle it, don't know where where it's leading and maybe stuck or discouraged? If you feel in your gut, if you feel that you have that whatever it is that you are pursuing or doing is something that God has given you to do, this is something that that it is for you to do. This is your assignment. If you feel it, if you feel that this is something that you have to take that seriously. Um, and even when it feels like it's not working or that, uh, you know, your efforts are in vain, you have to be diligent and you have to take the steps. TDJ says all the time, there are no elevators. You have to take the steps. When you try to skip the steps, you trip and you fall backwards and you have to start over again. So take the steps, um, you know, take the time to cultivate it. You have to, when, when you plant seeds in the ground, you have to take the time in order to cultivate it and water it and grow it and give it the time and light and the attention that it needs in order for it to grow. And it's not going to grow um, according to our timeline. It's supposed to grow according to the timeline um, that that was originally, you know, God gives us these things with something in mind. So we have to trust that and just, uh, you know, trust that and, and continue to keep your head down and do your work. If you, no one will be able to argue that. If you continue to show up, and remain diligent and do your work and take the steps. You only have, uh, you only go up. You only go up. Love it. So where can people connect with you after this episode? Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. I love Side Hustle Pro. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Uh, people can find me. I guess the best way to find me right now is on Instagram at Takia Nicole. That's T-Y-K-E-I-A Nicole on Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm uh, at Nothing But Trouble on Twitter. You can find Getting Grown um, anywhere there are podcasts. If you search Getting Grown, you'll find that. And you can also uh, head over to TeamTypeFast.com. Um, you can sign up for our mailing list. And once things get popping, um, the website gets launched and, you know, we'll be announcing, you know, upcoming tour dates and events and all those things will come through those channels. But please kick it. Um, and I'm one of those people, you know, you, uh, you, you know me, I'm, I, I write back, you know, I comment back. I'm, I'm engaging. I'm not going to, to pay you no mind. Say hi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Say hi. It don't cost me nothing to say hello. So I will say hello. Um, but yeah, uh, I would love to engage with you all. I would love for you all to come and be a part of our communities that we're building through getting growing, team typing fast. Team typing fast, again, is not limited to academics. I'm an academic, but I can learn from you. So please come and sit with us and uh, let's do this work. We can do it together. And fun fact about me and Dr. Kia, I, you know, I actually went to the Getting Grown live show in D.C. Before I had listened to the podcast, I was just like, oh my yeah, I was just like, my friend was like, oh, let's do this thing. And I'm like, yeah. And, and then I went, I was cracking up in the audience. I was just <laughs> like, this is amazing. I also was really impressed by how, you know, people came to you guys doing Q&A with like some really deep questions. Like you Absolutely. are really making a serious impact. There are people who have no one else to to talk to or just feel like they can get a, a real answer to life's deeper questions and they're getting that from you. So you just never know wh- who you'll be helping when you yeah. put your voice into the world. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. That's what makes it really like, impo- like, you know, that's what ha- really helped me to take it seriously. And it was like, oh, people are really listening and people are really valuing what we're doing. And it's just, imp- yes. and I, I mean, I take it seriously. Like, you know, if you guys trust me and Jay to, to deal, to help you navigate the challenges of your life. That's not something I'm just going to, you know, do haphazardly. Like we got to figure this out because I want you to win. So let's do it. So thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair, Dr. Kia. And there you have it, guys. Head over to sidehustleproco slash Kia. That's K-E-I-A for all of the show notes from this episode, including the links that were mentioned. Thanks so much for joining. And I will talk to you next week. Hey, hey, thanks for listening. Now stay connected in between episodes by texting Side Hustle Pro to 44222. You'll get my weekly Six Bullet Saturday newsletters where I share what I'm up to, what I'm reading, my business tip of the week, and resources to help you grow your side hustle. And I'm working behind the scenes on some live events, which my email list will get access to first. So make sure you're in the loop. Text Side Hustle Pro to 44222 or visit sidehustlepro.co slash SBS. Thank you.